You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. Good morning, everyone. What a treat to be here with you. Uh, I love the connection that Boise Bible College has with this church and this church has with Boise Bible College. I'm really grateful for the invitation uh, from Josh to step into this series on No Hurry. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced that I have a problem with this. <laughs> Coming clean right out of the gate. The, my life rhythms have actually been challenged since mid-July when Jake or Josh asked me. Uh, so I've been working on it for several months now. Here's a couple things I've learned as I tried to tackle this topic it has sacked me, <laughs> okay? And uh, a couple of lessons I've, heard, I've learned. One lesson is I actually can give myself permission to slow down. Second lesson is it's very difficult to slow down. Uh, we live in an ecosystem, don't we, that is like moving us and forcing us to speed up. So it's somewhat countercultural. I mean, we're actually somewhat culturally brainwashed today in our amazing environment to think fast and to be fast all the time. And we got words coming at us visually and audibly like express and quick and expedite and accelerate and turbocharge and chop chop and on delay and I need that yesterday and hurry up. That's our world, that's our life. And we've got quick fix meals we can buy for us fast-paced professional families, you know? And, uh, and man, the tech world isn't helping us out. I mean, the latest chip, the fastest device. I mean, who wants slow processing? And fiber optics, that's the way to go, right? I mean, upload speed, download speed for my gaming. And we are just inundated. We are saturated with this culture of faster, faster, faster. And when we encounter slow, Ah, it's torture. (laughs) Like this clip from a video maybe you've seen. Is that torture to watch? I mean, that's just really, (laughs) what was fun was the little little ones in here, they're like glued to the screen. (laughs) I wonder if God and Flash are cut from the same cloth. Just wondering. Uh, He moves at a completely different pace than we do. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about flash. Uh, God transcends hurry that our ecosystem pulls us into. Just a quick survey and a couple of verses from the Bible teaching us about slowing actually reveals something about God's character. Here's from Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. From Proverbs 14, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Sounds like God, huh? But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. From James, famous words exhibiting God's character. Know this, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Be like Flash (laughs) or like God. One and the same in some way. Slow patience. I'm growing to be more convinced that biblically principled disciples of Jesus learn to be slow and learn to be patient. Jesus produces that character within us when we are inhabited by his Holy Spirit. God's pace 
can influence our pace uh, as we submit to him. So here's sort of my big idea for this message. I just want to put it out here for you to wrestle with, something that I'm processing as I work through this topic. See if you resonate with this. I fill up on grace when I slow down my pace. Let's see if we can just chew on that and process that a little bit this morning. Our pace and his grace are intimately connected. Pace and, our, and, and the depth of our grace are, are correlated in our life. And God fills us with his grace. Our reservoir of grace never runs out when he fills us with his grace so that it can splash over and flow through us to impact those around us. And it starts by spending time in his space. Starts by slowing ourselves down in God's presence as we just were worshiping him with. In his timeless space. I mean, God's not governed by time. He he can help us, therefore, steward time. Something he created, he can help us steward it to encounter his grace so we can actually be an extension of his grace to others. Let me ask you this question. What do you think is the most precious commodity you have right here, right now, today? Most precious commodity. Money? Possibly. Oxygen? It's important. Can't control that, though. One, I would propose that time is the most precious commodity from God. You and I have the privilege by God to steward something that God himself created but is not constrained by. He transcends time, but he entered into it and he penetrated time to be present with us and to model something to us of a healthy pace with his grace. And how well we steward our use of time is dependent upon how slow we can go how decaffeinated we might become. That's actually countercultural in our world today, so remember this. Our pace and God's grace are connected in his upside-down, inverted sort of a way to live. I fill up on grace when I slow down my pace. My reservoir of grace fills up as I slow down. The more time we spend with our timeless creator, the more attached we are and the more in sync we will be with him. As apprentices of Jesus following him, he's our mentor, he's our coach, we can learn from him. Here's a few insights from John Mark Comer. One he highlighted was Jesus was never in a hurry. Jesus didn't let the fast-paced world squeeze him into its mold. His life was full, but not so full that he couldn't be engaged with people, never in a hurry. Jesus expected interruptions, actually. In fact, most of his teachings are responses to people interrupting him. Remember the woman with the blood flow, or the Roman with the, with the servant that was ill, the man lowered down through the roof? All those teaching points were actually interruptions. And he was so present at the moment with the people right then and there, even when he got interrupted, he was willing to have that space. And Jesus reflected the character of God. With skin on, God mirrored, or Jesus mirrored God's pace. And we can reflect him as well when we're rested, when we're at shalom with God, at peace with him. The byproduct of hurry is exhaustion. And when we're overextended, you know, when our lives are full with a fast-paced life, like we can't say no to certain things, we're always saying yes to things, something's gonna give. And usually the thing that gives is our connection with Jesus and therefore our reflection of Jesus. And Jesus is always at his best when he had a slowed pace. 
we're at our worst. Temptation comes in, impatience, we grow angry, unwise. We're at our worst when we're consistently on the move with a fast-paced life. And Jesus modeled something to us. He modeled a triad of love and joy and peace with a slower pace. Those are not just emotions. Those were actually inner disposition points of Jesus. John Mark Comer put it this way, love, joy, and peace are incompatible to a life of hurry. My worst moments with people are when I'm in a rush. But when I slow down, I'm able to love. I'm able to actually not yell and be patient with my wife, kids, colleagues, traffic. (laughs) When I slow down, I'm able to have joy. It's present in my body. It it becomes something in my moment. When I slow down, I'm able to have peace. When I'm late for an appointment and I'm fretting over something, when I slow down and I have that shalom moment with God, it's matchless. I fill up on grace when I slow down my pace. How about you? We can't keep up this pace. We can't keep up this pace in our 21st century American advanced world and at the same time live under Jesus' rule of love and joy and peace. Something's gonna give. You can't keep up a pace and live out Jesus' rule. Jesus lives in a different paced kingdom we have to yield to. I like what John Ortberg said. He said this, I cannot live in the kingdom of God with a hurried soul. Learn from Jesus. Let's attach ourselves to Jesus deeply to align to his place, to his pace, I mean. Instead of letting the world kind of squeeze you into its mold, may we be transformed by the renewing of our mind, a Jesus-paced mind, a Jesus way to think. So why in the world is it so hard? (laughs) Why is it so difficult to not be pressured by the world's pace, to pick it up. Why is it so hard to slow down and to align ourselves? Well, let's identify the problem, okay? Feeling chronically short on time, uh, easily flustered when you're encountered with a delay. Like yesterday, my car battery died. <laughs> Had to get somewhere. Had to wait for somebody to jump me, I'm grateful. Do you, count it? do you count the cars in front of you and do you compulsively, repeatedly change lines to the shortest one, fastest one? How about in the grocery store? Do you move from one checkout line to the next? Yeah. <laughs> Hurry sickness, and it's infectious. <laughs> Hurry sickness. Palamo Cantera Gomez put it this way. I like how she said it. Achieving performing better, and getting things done. It feels good, and it rewards our brain with a hit of dopamine. But when busyness tips over into a hurry sickness, our body starts releasing the stress hormone cortisol, which can be long-term depression, can cause long-term depression. In a constant state of overstimulation, our minds make us also feel tired and anxious and prone to irritability and unable to relax. Get what she says here. Time is a finite source and unfortunately (laughs) non-renewable. We're obsessed with getting things done quickly. Time is short, let's work harder. Have you heard that? Have you worked under a boss like that? But if we compare our pace to the pace of Jesus, there aren't many similarities, I don't think. Even though Jesus had an enormous mission to accomplish in a really short period of time, he was never rushed. His disciple-making of the 12 
was at a slowed pace. We might believe our fast pace actually bears more fruit, but our hurried lifestyle can have some serious downsides as it relates to the kingdom of God and its goals, downsides with regards to living out the gospel, and the downside of being a disciple who makes disciples life on life. Discipleship cannot be expedited or microwaved. It's, go, it's a slow-going journey. So here's some hazards of a hurried life. Maybe we should consider what a hurried life costs us. I'm borrowing some, pe- some points here from Frank Powell, who wrote an article in Relevant Magazine. I thought he phrased it nicely. Here's one hazard. A hurried life deteriorates your relationship with God. A hurried life deteriorates a relationship with God. Hurry impedes our love relationship with him. Hurry, hurry rationalizes and hurry lies to us that I don't have enough time to sit with him. But actually, truth is, we've mismanaged our time <laughs> and uh, have been a little undisciplined. Hurry does not equal abiding with God. Hurry does not equal abiding with anybody. Uh, try not slowing down when you're in love, in relationship, Dating, courting, engagement, marriage. Uh, Just give a passing nod next time you're on a date. (laughs) Never stop, never listen. Just watch how shallow that relationship remains. Fast pace and hurry when you're in love, it destroys it. Not gonna have a relationship with her. When you're in love though, I mean slowing's a privilege. Slowing's what I want to do. I'm slow to spend much time with you as possible on that date. Same with God. Same with Jesus. Sit with him on a date like you would with someone else. Analyze his face. Look at the contours as you examine his eyes. Lean into his whisper because the external noise is is, is high in the restaurant. Lean into him and dwell with him. Be enraptured by his gaze back to you and gaze upon his beauty with intentional slowness. Intimacy with God requires stillness. It requires attentiveness and silence. We must get off life's freeway to grow closer to God. And Jesus frequently did this. He frequently slowed himself down, and he removed himself from the world's freeway. I like to think of it, he spent a lot of time in the rest stops of prayer and solitude, and it strengthened him to fulfill his gospel-impacting mission, it did. In the 1900s, English preacher Samuel Samuel Chadwick, in the 1900s, said, hurry is the death of prayer. What would he say today? And you, C.S. Lewis observed this. The very moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush in at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. The God of our Bible is the source of that other that Lewis was talking about. We can't hear his voice if we don't slow down long enough to listen. And just try it. Try it for five minutes, silence. Let's, let's be, how about three minutes? You know, let's be realistic. How about 60 seconds? 
60 seconds of silence with the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I promise you, because I've tried this, the noise uh, that we've grown accustomed to is deafening. At that moment of silence, when we try to slow down, it takes a lot of work to seek a quiet place with God, undistracted. It takes patience and practice. It takes grit. It takes discipline. A few other things with hurry here. Hurry impedes an awareness to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And hurry hampers our ability to be safe or to be honest with God. And hurry, it glosses over unholiness in our life. Hurry postpones repentance. And hurry leads to a barrenness of our soul. And in our football season that we're in, hurry is like an NFL running back giving a straight arm to God right in the face as we keep moving. Frank Powell said this, unless you spend extending periods of time alone with God through prayer, solitude, and Sabbath, the speed of the world will skew your understanding of God. Anxiety, unrest, and discontentment will hover over your life like a dark storm cloud. Indeed, hurry deteriorates our relationship with God. And Jesus taught us a few things with regards to slowing as it relates to abiding. His famous words from John chapter 15, abide in me and I in you. If you define that word abide, it could be maybe looked at as remain in, to stay put in, to settle. That's what it means to abide, to deeply tether yourself with a subterranean attachment. It means time spent with Jesus will allow him to imprint his likeness on us. Abide in me and I will be in you, intentionally slowing our connection with God. He says, abide in me and I in you. And then he gives an illustration here. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me, a branch. It's connected, it's attached to the true vine, and it's in complete dependence upon the nutrients coming from that vine to flow through it. Almost like spiritual supplements you might take at a meal. <laughs> supplements you might take. Uh, abiding bears no immediate results. When I take supplements, I don't necessarily feel anything at that moment, but my naturopath doctor three months later says, way to go. We're seeing some good fruit from that supplement intake. Abiding produces as Eugene Peterson titled his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Abiding to remain in Christ defines us. He's our true source. He's the one that defines us, not your pedigree, not your looks, not your successfulness, or what others say about you. That doesn't define us. Abiding with God deepens these roots in the soil of Jesus so that fruit can grow. He says, I am the vine, Jesus said. I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If abiding equals slowing, if I can make that logical thought, if abiding equals slowing, then slowing equals fruit bearing. You want to bear fruit for Jesus? Abiding equals slowing, and slowing will equal fruit bearing. If hurry deteriorates our relationship with God, then slowing nourishes. It refreshes our capacity to love and be loved. Grace, it's the basis of my relationship with God. And I fill up with that grace as I slow and I abide. 
Here's a second hazard. A, a hurried life depletes your capacity to love others. Kind of been hinting at this a little bit, so let's go a little further here. To, the more you increase the speed of your life, the less capacity you have to love others. Hurry impedes love relationships with your spouse, your kids, your confidants, your friends, your colleagues, your boss. Hurry insulates people so that people can't get close. In fact, some will feel safe from others by keeping up a pace of hurry, lest you get too close to me. Hurry feeds the appetite of loneliness, therefore. It gives the impression that you're just way too busy. For me, my wiring is, is, a, is pretty swift, uh, but, but not so fast. I'm learning, I'm practicing to purpose space in my day where I actually walk slower across the campus, down the hall, space where I can intentionally be available to be interrupted, to, be, to interact with people. So, so I think there's a bit of a balance of moving quick on purpose and at the same time intentionally slowing ourselves for other people. The Apostle Paul is a great example. He was driven, man, he was on mission. He had outcome-based initiatives. He had key performance indicators. He had goals and objectives. I'm sure he's a 100,000 flight miler with Alaska Airlines and his hotel points, his car rental points. He was all over the place. Paul, though, learned that slowing and busyness weren't at odds with each other. Paul was able to be fully present with people. People like Paul seemed to never be too rushed or in a, too fast. He anticipated well. Paul anticipated well to maximize his time so he could slow and be with. Here's what he said to the Thessalonian church. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we, that would be Paul and his little entourage, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Sounds like Jesus. Paul was able to share his very self with those people. Paul was fully present. His focus was on them, giving them undistracted attention. Have you been on those appointments with somebody who's like faking focus? They're always doing this or doing this. Have you been those? It's like, don't waste my time. But on the opposite side, have you been with somebody who sets their phone aside and never looks at their wrist at all? They're giving you laser focus and they're very important and very busy. Have you had that meaningful touch? Slowing values people. Paul was purposed with the gospel, but he allowed space in his schedule to focus on people to be with. Kirk Jones put it this way, hurry is a desensitizer. Snuffing out moments of intimacy with life to the point that we get used to living day after day with little deep feeling. If hurry diminishes or depletes our capacity to love, then slowing replenishes our capacity to feel and to love, to see people, to listen intently to one another. Slowing enables us to be conduits of grace into the lives of one another. I fill up on his grace when I slow down my pace. Grace to give you attention and for you to give me attention. I need that as well. Here's a third hazard. Tell you what, when I first thought about this one, it caught me. A hurried life numbs us to injustices. When our life moves at freeway speed, it, it's difficult to focus on and to attend to people off in the ditch of the freeway, in the margins. We can be desensitized and, 
And unaware of the brokenness in the world around us, if we go too fast, our hearts can become calloused to the things that break God's heart. The list can be long. Homeless issue here in Boise, social inequalities. Or global, the refugee crisis. The abortion issue that's taking the lives of innocents. The sex slave industry. Restricted nations where accepting Jesus means you might lose your life. Hurry can desensitize us and harden us into apathy as we continue to entertain ourselves. Jesus' pace of life, however, allowed his heart to break. His pace allowed his heart to break for injustice and to feel oppression and to give attention to them. Slowing gives us space to lament and to empathize with people who are victims of injustice. Slowing is the key. And if our heart doesn't break for things that break God's heart, it's time to slow down and to consider the world outside of our own self-absorbed lane that we're running in. If hurry numbs us to injustice, slowing makes us sensitive to confront injustices with God's righteous justice, grace. It compels us to care with the heart of God. Here's a final hazard of many, but one more for us this morning. A hurried life clouds your purpose and diminishes your passion. Frank Powell put it this way, God's idea of purpose is not about doing, but about becoming. God's idea of purpose for you is not about what you do, but what you become. God's purpose is to conform us to the likeness of Jesus. And unless you move at God's speed, it's impossible to be conformed. It's impossible to see the world as Jesus does. So the process of becoming is is advanced by slowing, making intentional space to sit and to be as we go and do. Slowing provides time to reflect and to ponder on God's purposes and God's passions. I heard the story of a scientist who needed time away from people to focus to get away from the lab and to focus. And he liked to fish off of his dock into his lake. The rule was not to disturb him when you see him on the dock fishing. As the story goes, he actually had no hook on the line. (laughs) He didn't even want the fish to disturb his reflection time and his time to think. Hmm. Likewise, slowing enhances our reflection time on God's purposes. What are God's passions? I like what John Ortberg said when he talked about the discipline of slowing. He defined the discipline of slowing this way. Cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Cultivating that patience. And in waiting, we grow in in complete reliance upon him. So maybe here's some practical, intentional steps to slow down your mind and your body this week, take the longer checkout line at Home Depot or Whole Foods. Ah, that's a killer, isn't it? (laughs) Drive the speed limit. I actually practiced that this morning, coming down Hill Road, not one degree over. My wife calls me a competitive driver. (laughs) This may be harsh, but downgrade from your from your smartphone to the dumb phone, where you actually have to, have to text slower. My son, Dane, 
he likes coffee, and he likes the pour-over system, and so he's actually, uh, in the morning when he wakes up, he'll do the pour-over of a coffee, and he said this, I want to learn to wait patiently for the Lord as I start my day. Hmm. There's some real benefits if we slow down. There's some real reasons to slow down. Soul care is really important for us today. Our soul and caring for it, your mental health, your spiritual health, your emotional health requires demands. Slow. Plus another reason, another benefit is uh, less, there's less fear about losing out or wanting to impress. Fear dissipates when I slow because my priorities reorder. And I found this, I don't feel near as guilty to have seasons of little accomplishment. I don't feel near as guilty. That's a benefit in a go, 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 perform, 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 accomplish, 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 do, do, do world, to actually slow and get little things down best. Huh. I truly begin to release control to God's sovereignty when I slow down. Jesus paced people are less in a hurry. Jesus-paced people never are a slave of the clock. Jesus-paced people are never trapped to impress anyone. Slowing cultivates purpose, God's purpose, God's passion within me. You see, again to that big thought, I fill up on grace when I slow down my pace. And here's the eternal irony of it all. The more time we spend with God reflecting on finding our desires in his, the more time we spend with him. Have you practiced this and experienced this? He seems to actually expand your time. He actually expands our time to execute execute his desires. The more time we invest into him, actually it seems like I don't get it, the more time I have. We wait patiently for the Lord and we sit still in his presence deliberately scheduling time to reflect on his movement. Jesus, Jesus was busy with his father's business, yet he he didn't seem to be having any indication of rushed or in a hurry. He spent time with his father, and from that place of intimacy with his father, with a slowed pace, Jesus was full of grace and truth so he could focus on his purpose, the people around him, even when he was interrupted. (laughs) Jesus had such a great wisdom to live out both going and slowing, (laughs) didn't he? He helps us with our pace. So let's, let's talk with him right now. Will you bow with me? Let's chat with Jesus for just a moment. Jesus, we are desperate for you with this idea of slowing. We need you You're the master at governing and guiding time in your life, and we we want you to know how to do that. Would you guide us and help us? Would you instruct us? Holy Spirit, as we allow you to inhabit us to the full, would would you take over? Here we are today, and we're honestly confessing to you that this is an issue we want to work at, so meet us where we are as we slow down, to be encountered by you afresh, to know you, to love others, to see injustices around us, to know your passion and purpose, that people would come to know you through us is our desire. In your name, Jesus, we pray.
Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.